Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello, and welcome to Transporter Lock. Uh, This is your episode for July 2022. Uh, I don't know the number. Um, I, I, we've been doing this for like 20 years, so I think this is probably episode 1,000. Rough estimate. Um, however, today, I am Captain... Well, not every every day. I am Captain Sabriel Mastin. And today, I am in the shuttle bay, joined by Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. Thank you for joining me, Ken. Hello, Captain. I'm wondering why you've called us here to the shuttle bay. Well, it's a long way up to the ready room, and this is where I, closest, where I was when uh, I saw recording time happened. <laughs> Were you on your way to or from somewhere via shuttle? Um, classified. But it may or may not have anything to do with that Omega symbol you saw on the screens a little bit ago. Ooh, ooh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I, I'm not authorized to have access to that classified information, so I will allow you to do whatever it is you need to do. That's right. You know, like this this absolutely classified thing, we got to make sure it's on every screen so everyone knows something is up. Uh, <laughs> Very <laughs> subtle. Also- <laughs> very subtle i would also like to thank the engineering crew that you have for fixing my microphone since last time hey you know you put that work request in and a month later we got to it <laughs> you know i mean you gotta have that buffer time it's true it's true we build that in <laughs> like when you need something done that will take five minutes we say it'll take a month that way we can That's choose right. any five minutes we want it's a miracle worker <laughs> That's how you do it that's how we look uh, so good Well, we are here in the shuttle bay to talk about the latter half of the first season of Strange New Worlds. Um, Yes. I can't believe uh, it's over already. It feels like it just started. It just started. I mean, the premiere episode was Cinco de Mayo, and the finale was July 7th. So that's two months and two days. Two months ago. Yeah. Um, So we were pretty uh, riding pretty high and mighty on the first half. Uh, How are you feeling after the second half? Yeah, I loved Strange New Worlds. I looked forward to it every Thursday, but that's true for all the Star Treks. Uh, but what I really liked about it, something I men- may have mentioned last time, was that we never knew what we were going to get. Like with Discovery, with Picard, we always know what we're going to get next week is a continuation of what we had this week. And with Strange New Worlds, like every week was a surprise. It was like a loot box, but of the good kind. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I same feeling I had for the first half, the second half. Uh, it's the same. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, it wasn't until the tenth episode I realized I should watch this with headphones on, since I oh. watch on my computer, because my speakers are not the highest quality. Come like constantly, I was like, "Are they just mumbling their lines? Are they mumbling? Why?" I got, I, I was like, oh, "What's going on?" And I always have to turn. I usually watch things with closed captioning, but sometimes I'll watch without to see. Uh, if I can just do it, you know, because I realize like I'll watch that instead of the actors. So I was like, but this week I'm like, okay, what is going on? And then I put my headset on. Whom, yep. World universe of difference. <laughs> yeah, I moved to a different Airbnb every month or two. I've watched Star Trek in a variety of states across this country, and I have found the experience varies dramatically just based on where I am and what their television setup is like. <laughs> now, what, one of my favorite anecdotes that I may have shared on this podcast was when Star Trek Beyond came out in theaters and I saw it in a theater that didn't have great audio. Oh, so no. there was that 
there was that scene. What was it? The Jamestown, the ship, the old ship Franklin. that they found on the, the Franklin. Thank you. And they, to get it to get the engines revved up, they had to like jumpstart it by pushing it over the cliff. And I didn't catch the audio where they said, that's why they were doing it. And so <laughs> I saw them try to take the ship off. And instead it started plummeting and then it went under the tree line and you couldn't see it. And I, like, I actually like screamed in the theater because I didn't know that this was all intentional. And my friend is next to me. I thought I was having a heart attack. And then the ship comes back up. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh. So in that case, the poor audio actually enhanced my reception. For that <laughs> but it's not something I would wish on anybody. It's not coming. I mean, you know, I, I do love the life lo-fi uh, thing. And I've got some vinyl records going now behind me. So um, there's something to be said about. Uh, I guess that's not really lower quality audio. It's just different quality audio. Uh, right. Anyway, uh, last time we had a kind of a haphazard talk about, let's just throw what's out there at the top of our head, what we're thinking about, who we're thinking about. This week, we're going to try a vague attempt at structure and talk about the five episodes of the latter half of the season in, in order. Uh, and so first up, I always want to say love lift us up where we long, but no, it's lift us where suffering cannot reach. It's the one where we kill a child. Yeah, this is the episode right after Spock Amok, which was an episode filled with hijinks. And it was a sharp contrast to have this episode come next because most Star Trek episodes, there's some sort of a satisfactory resolution or a deus ex machina or something that lets us, the audience feel like this was a set that we're, we're satisfied or even like it was a pyrrhic victory. Like we saw that somebody died, but it was for the greater good. And this case, I don't feel like that happened and it left me really uncomfortable. And that's not a bad thing. It's just not what I expected. Yeah. Uh, this is a very much a TOS original series. The, the old, those old scientists, um, <laughs> uh, kind of way of episodes. Sometimes those had episodes where it's not a happy ending either. Um, this one, I'm just like, okay, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. But like, even in next gen, last five minutes, sometimes they'd whip out a solution to fix everything. And here, I'm like, we're running out of time. Oh, we still have time left, and they killed the kid, or or put him in the battery. Um, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, I did not see that coming by the end until it happened. Like, you know, like it's getting closer and closer. Like, what's Pike gonna do? Um, never came. <laughs> I walked away going, oh, oof. Yeah. And what I imagine was really haunting Pike at the end of that episode wasn't just that he couldn't do anything, but also that he had, in fact, contributed to that conclusion. He had delivered the kid. Like, there were people trying to save the kid, and he, for not knowing any better, defeated their attempts and delivered that child. Um, I didn't think of it at the time, but now with this whole season behind us, was it, I think maybe this was some kind of way to show Pike that, you know, he's this, Pike's been pretty lucky with the whole mercy or talking thing. And like, is this one of our first instances of that we've seen of Pike like having failure uh, to I, what his ideas would be anyway? I, I think so. I mean, he, I'm thinking back to Discovery Season 2. I'm thinking back to the short treks in which he's appeared. And I feel like, yeah, he 
usually gets his way. And I don't think that's unique to Pike, though. Like I was saying, I think no, most okay. Star Treks are that way. Yeah, I mean, there was the Captain Psychologist, what, W? Uh, season 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, she died. He was, he was going to do it. And she's like, no, I got this. Admiral. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, but that's an instance. But here's almost like... Admiral Cornwell. Cornwell, thank you. I knew there was a W in there. That's about <laughs> it. Um, here, he's kind of absolutely like, oh, no, I put these actions into motion. Well, we did see him at the end of Discovery Season 2 where he tried to save Cornwell. He said, let me be the one to defuse the bomb because I know my future and I don't die here. And she said, no, but other people might. And remember, we talked about that that interesting cinematic technique where they moved the camera behind her head and when it came to the other side, he was no longer smiling because he realized that she was right. So he didn't get his way that time. He had to accept his defeat in his ability to save Cornwell. Yeah. In any case, this is, if it's, if it's not the defining moment, it's another one to show him that, uh, sometimes you don't always get that victory at the end. Kirk would have, uh, started shooting phasers or something like that. Cause he doesn't like to lose, but, uh, uh, here, oof, uh, it was a rough episode, uh, not a rough ending. Yeah. Uh, emotional. Yeah. The rest of the episode was interesting. It's now been a month since I saw it. I only saw it the one time, but, we had a lot of other interesting characters. We had the child's father who said, I'm his child, but I'm his father biologically only. And then despite trying to deny his emotional attachment to this child, he was nonetheless trying to save the child. I mm-hmm. thought he was an interesting character. I didn't quite understand. So he and the kid beamed to the pirate ship and then they both beamed back. Was that part of the plan all along? I'm a little foggy, to be honest. I, um, I mean, I think I think they wanted the pirate ship to be blown up so that everybody would think the child had died. Yeah, yeah, no, because the kid beamed right to the like elsewhere yeah, in that little container. Enterprise, yeah, on the Enterprise. But they must have known so. that the kid would be found eventually. And what did they think that Starfleet was going to do with it? Uh, that this one thing we'll worry about in a minute. <laughs> A one yeah. one one fire at a time, right? I, I um, guess so. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't seem like a very long term solution. Yeah, it was also where Mabenga was like, "Uh, maybe I, I have a solution right here in front of me to help save my child." Yeah, the level of medical technology in this society was unprecedented, and the fact that the Starfleet has no access to it is heart-wrenching because how many lives could that save mm-hmm. i mean we've seen that with uh, the prime directive in other cultures asking the federation for help and now right. they're on the side of it yeah they can't just go in and pilfer whatever they want i mean the prime directive that's mostly about pre-warp civilizations uh, you could, uh, the share you're still sharing technology yeah but certainly voyager when they were in the delta quadrant they they couldn't share their own technology but they were certainly willing to Except other people's. Um, like the uh, slingshot warp that the Borg got. What was it called? Transwarp? Um, transwarp. No, it wasn't the transwarp. It was some... There's another word for it. Co- not the coaxial warp. The one that... Uh, uh, the, the flux capacitor? In, no, we saw the Borg Queen had it um, in Picard. That's how she could get away from ship to ship across the quadrant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Season one of Picard. Yeah, uh, the okay. technology came from the people in Delta Quadrant from Voyager. And um, that, that also tells us that 
the Borg assimilated them after Voyager left at some mm-hmm. point. Um, but anyway, that was another instance of uh, technology sharing and the Federation. Yeah, I'm trying to find the name of that device, a spatial trajector. Mm-hmm. A transporter with a theoretical range of 40,000 light years uh, assimilated by the Sicarians or from the Sicarians of the Delta Quadrant. A race introduced on a Star Trek Voyager. Oh. Wow, it sounds I, like something I just said. Yeah, but I, I, <laughs> no, I, like, I... No, you did clearly say that they were in the Delta Quadrant. I didn't realize that we saw them on Voyager. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, I laugh because podcast I'm listening to, they just started a new quote-unquote segment every time because they have four people on their show. <laughs> every time one of them says something and someone repeats it, reading it off a website like two minutes later, like <laughs> they call it like a red on air moment or something like that. Cause it, clearly the person wasn't completely paying attention. That wasn't what's happened here, but just reminded me of it. <laughs> or maybe it's like that episode of, uh, we'll always have Paris of TNG season one, I think where they're stuck in a time loop and things happen over and over. It's like Sabriel said it. And then Ken said it. <laughs> oh, it's reminds me of that episode from season one of next gen. Uh, we'll right. have Paris. <laughs> You too, huh? Yeah. Uh, four you know, you know, speaking, um, of, speaking of Paris, there's one episode of Voyager I can never remember the conclusion of. It's when Harry Kim wakes up on Earth and he has no idea how he's there. And like, and he says to his girlfriend or wife, he's like, I have to get back to Paris. And she's like, France? And he's like, no, Tom. <laughs> and I can like, even though I've read the memory alpha multiple times of why he was on Earth and how he got back to Voyager, I can I can never remember how it worked out. Uh yeah, it was but, some weird mind thing. Yeah. Think, wasn't it? I'll uh, go read Memory Alpha again after this episode, and then again <laughs> a year or two from now. All right. And then, you know, every time you need to think of it. Uh, That's right. Kid gets attached to a battery. Uh, Mabenga yeah. doesn't get save his kid. What, but what possible technology specifically requires the mind of a child? That is... It, uh, wow. If I was... You know, it's been a few weeks. I remember thinking, at least at the time, the, under, the impression of, they found this? They don't know how it works. No, I think they said their ancestors built it, but they don't know why oh, it, was it was built that's that was. way. Yeah. And, and they were like, oh, well, this is the way. <laughs> and it was such a punch to the gut when Pike asked, will he suffer? And the woman said, yes. But then she justified it. She said, every society is built on suffering. The only difference is we acknowledge it. We look it in the eye. And I thought, I don't think that's true of Starfleet and the UFP in the future. Because all these things disappear. Poverty, war, famine, disease. But I do think it is a valid commentary on today's society. Yeah. Like how many times do we walk past homeless people or avert our eyes when we're at a red light when somebody's holding up a sign saying, please help. I do it all the time. I try to justify it by I'm, I'm donating to causes that will help these people like shelters as opposed to directly to the individual. But somehow that doesn't make me feel better because I know yeah. that these people are still suffering. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's also a commentary. Uh, like we, we see the human side of the Federation. We don't know what the other member planets are going through. All hundreds of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there are definitely some contradictories among the Federation that, it, you know, it tends to be very anthrocentric, which I'll get to when we talk about the, f- the season finale. But I, you know, if we want to spend about 10 minutes per episode, then we should move on to the serene squall. Anything else yeah. you want to say about this yeah. child? Uh, episode? If you ever played Chrono Trigger, this whole, yes. this whole um, society on floating things reminded me of the kingdom of, of zeal where Scala was oh. from. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the first thing I thought I would tweeted that out when I watched that episode. Um, <laughs> Have you played Chrono Cross? Um, I did. And as I take my headset off, the show can, because no one else can see this. I got the physical copy of it on Switch, oh, nice. shipped over from Japan. Wow. Um, so you're a fan then? Uh, I never did finish it the first time around. But because uh, I was at the time, I was very much looking for a sequel to Chrono Trigger. And it was <laughs> only technically it and not actually it. Um, do you, so do you know the way it. in which it's related? Uh, apparently universe, something related to that. Something like that. I don't remember off the top of my head. So, uh, right. Or alternate I, universe, not parallel. I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go play it again uh, once I get done with the current games I'm playing. <sighs> I remember finishing games. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So we are done talking about the one where we kill a kid and put him in a battery. Uh, and now we're going to talk about the Serene Squall, where Serene we have... Squall. Captain Angel takes over the Enterprise while Captain Pike takes over a pirate ship. This was very possibly my favorite episode of the entire season. <laughs> and, uh, go ahead. Tell us why. Well, I, f- <laughs> I feel like a complete dumbass because the reason I loved the episode was the character of Angel when she first showed up and we didn't know that she was a pirate. She struck me as so authentic. Mm-hmm. Like, just the way she moved through the world, the way she interacted with people, I felt like this is somebody I could actually meet today. Like, there's a there, there's a certain artificiality of characters on Star Trek because they live in a world that is not ours. And so they've adapted to this environment and these circumstances that we have not. Angel felt like somebody who has done that while also being from our world like just the way she talked to people i i I loved seeing somebody like that on star trek and i can't remember the last time i did and that's why i felt so betrayed when she (laughs) wasn't at all authentic she was not dr aspen they were captain angel uh pronouns switch and everything yeah yeah Um, was was that my mistake or was were they doing that uh uh, when it was dr aspen they were she was going by she Okay. And then when it went to Captain Angel, it was they. Okay. Because uh, it was all part of their, it was all part of their illusion. Um, okay. Uh, no, so, nope, that was definitely an intentional part on Dr. Aspen slash Captain Angel. All I could think of was like, something's up about this character, but I can't figure out what. And uh, I, I didn't look at my notes for this one that I had. I was talking to some people. Um, I kind of saw it coming. But not like what was going to happen. Um, it's because like, what is up with this character? This, this something seems off. Why do they know Spock so well? Uh, or at least Spock's difficulties. I did not put it together. Why or who they had uh, known so closely until that epic reveal in the last few seconds. Oh, yeah. I did yeah. not. I did not see um, Cybok appearing. <laughs> No, actually, now that you mentioned it, when I was thinking about this episode, I forgot about that, too. What I was thinking of was, in in an abstract fashion, the whole episode was about dual identity. You know, Mm -hmm. Spock grappling with, is he human or is he Vulcan? And, you know, receiving the advice that you're not a product of genetics or of geography. Why do you have to be one or the other? Maybe you're something else. Maybe you're something more. Maybe you are not what you were identified as at birth. 
which mm-hmm. is a human-Vulcan hybrid, which is really important. And then we see Angel manifesting a similar bifurcation uh, where we see, you know, like they said, some of the things they said to Spock were true, even if the identity of the person saying them was not. And so there's a, there's a lot of uh, comparison and contrasting between these two characters in this episode. Uh, and it's a, besides the actress being trans, it was just a huge trans allegory uh, yeah. right through there. Uh, similar to uh, much more on the nose than um, Una and being Illyrian. Uh, it was kind of setting up earlier. Here we get like right there, we have the duality of being of multiple worlds, whether it be of um, your race or your identity. Um, I know that uh, speaking to some other trans friends of mine uh, who are also of mixed heritage, um, spoke to uh, those them as well on um the commentary so that's awesome yeah uh good stuff uh i loved that the whole captain pike uh, subplot of like reclaiming a pirate ship is old so old hat to them that we don't even need to see it happening we just see like clips of it happening like talking about it ingratiating with the crew and all of a sudden like in the final scene like hey uh we got the ship can you rescue us uh like it was just yeah. so much fun. We don't need to see any of the process. We just see a snapshot here and there of it happening. Yeah, I love that uh, Pike and Una already had a code for how to do this because they've done it before. And I love that we have in multiple episodes this season seen Captain Pike cooking for his crew. Uh-huh. And I this is that. not just some interesting characteristic that flushes him out as a person. It's actually. <laughs> useful to the plot in this episode and i thought that was really neat kind of like how we've seen characters fencing or singing things that wouldn't normally come up in a day-to-day operation of a starfleet officer and here they do i love this kitchen set in his quarters so much and how much they use it this season for gatherings later on in this episode we use it to have a debriefing or a mission briefing um or just to talk about our problems. Uh, it's so good. It's the perfect thing. I didn't realize Star Trek was missing. Yeah. I mean, we're, I don't mean to jump too far ahead, but there was that scene where, as you just said, a mission briefing and La'an is like, can you please pass the, um, uh, you know, the, and then they give yeah. her the cheese. And all uh-huh. while she's talking about the mission. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's like, it adds a sense. Uh, the last time I kind of really saw this kind of thing, I think was Enterprise, where they had some humanity. So mm. Once in a while, the crew would be just in their Hawaiian shirts on the bridge. Right. Um, or they'd have captain's mess, things like that, where like, it would be good to see the human side of things. And for years, for with intent, they kind of dodged that, or or you'd only see those in private moments, like right. Cisco cooking for Jennifer and Jake. Um, we're here in a professional setting, we still get to see it, and it just it adds so much, and I just love it. Yeah, um, and like even just giving the apron to Spock and saying, "Hey, Spock, do you want to do the dishes?" Yeah. He's like, "Oh." <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's so good. Oh. Um, so that we got to have him do the kitchen thing for a group of hungry pirates eating um, Orion slop. Um, <laughs> uh, it was really good. It was done, done well. Um, now, I have a question about in the first half of the episode when they're caught in that asteroid force field. It looked Tholian, didn't it? It did look Tholian. That's what I suspected. But I also have a question because... 
I'm sorry, I keep forgetting their name when they weren't Angel. Dr. Aspen. Dr. Aspen, thank you. So Dr. Aspen at one point said that was not the pirates. If it had been, you'd be dead now. So Dr. Aspen was lying when they said that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, but the other question I have now is Dr. Aspen was also caught in that field and Spock had a 50-50 shot of shooting the right asteroid. So Dr. Aspen might have died in the same trap that they had set. Uh, it's possible, but to me, it's just like, uh, Dr. Aspen, Angel knew Vulcans. Uh, I think they had a good idea what was going to happen. Okay. Or maybe there was a fail safe that they had in backup. That makes sense. I like that. Thank you. Um, our, our evil, I mean, proverbial mustache twirling villains always have a backup plan. Uh, they always had the great escape. Yep. A transporter ring necklace. They had that escape right there. Right. Being the ship. So it was right there. They had it the whole time. Yep. Um, uh, Spock kissing Nurse Chapel on the bridge. Oh my God. That's one of the most passionate kisses I've seen in Star Trek. So good. It was so good. Uh, um, it worked on Angel. (laughs) Uh, not seeing that coming at all. Uh, poor Chapel, uh, having heartstrings played with. Oh. No, it's not intentional playing with, but uh, oh, I know, I know. Tugged. It's yeah, it's a tease. Uh huh. Because clearly, Spock feels something there too. Yeah. Whether he knows it or not. Yeah, I mean, uh, the episode started by Chapel saying to him, "No, like, why do you need to pay more attention to me?" And Spock mm-hmm. says, "Because you are charming, and I am missing it." It's like, <laughs> ah, you're learning. Good. <laughs> you know, and even though they were being playful, there was a little bit of truth to that too. Yeah, uh, uh, Christine and Spock, man, I wish they could get together. I'm sure that fanfic exists. Mm-hmm. In droves. <laughs> and what do you uh, think is three... what do you think is the future for Cyborg? I think he's going to be trying to find a god. Well, certainly he does that in Star Trek Five. But do you think we'll see him on no. Strange New Worlds? No. Um, honestly, they left it. I think they left it intentionally vague. So if they want to bring it back to him, they can. Uh, you know, like in the nature of television correction a creation when they're making that episode they probably didn't know they had a season two yet and uh so captain angel definitely has the possibility of coming back cyborg maybe um but then it has to be a situation where uhura's not there it has to be a situation where uh a bunch of people aren't there because they're not because they don't know that spock has a half brother in strange yeah. or in final frontier if I recall correctly, it honestly has been a bit. So maybe the actors don't, or the characters don't pretend that they've forgotten. Yeah, but they've done that before. Kind of like how when Chekhov beamed down to yeah, that makes mistakes. Study Alpha Four in Star yeah. Trek Two, and he had never met Khan before. Um, but yeah, Angel strikes me as having the same potential as Saffron did in Firefly. She yeah. was a recurring villain, and I'd like to see Angel come back too. I liked Saffron even more than because it's Christina Hendrick. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never seen her in anything else at that time. So uh, that's what I associate that actor with. <laughs> oh. I um, may have cut you off. Was there something else about this episode you wanted to no, say? No, I just, I, I, if there was, I've forgotten. But uh, Angel, I look forward to seeing Captain Angel again. Yes. Uh, maybe Captain Angel is Pike's um, um, mud. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, mud has already shown up like three times. In Discovery and Short Treks. Apparently and he has, the actor has written to the crew like, hey, if you ever want uh, 
Barry Mudd on again. You know, you know where to find me. Um, oh, that'd be fun. Um, I remember seeing that article or story a few weeks ago. Yeah, because he showed up twice in the first season of Discovery and not since, other than Short Trek. So he's never really met Pike. Yeah, that we know that, of. I would love to see that. Shall we um, talk about the Elysian Kingdom? Uh, yeah, if you were done with the Serene Squall and Jesse James Keitel, who is amazing on Twitter, I would follow, suggest, suggest following her. Uh, the Elysian Kingdom, the one where we go to the fairy tale. Yeah, um, what do you think? <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> and um, I had an unfortunate moment where the dramatic moment at the end was interrupted by someone coming in while I'm watching it. So like the whole like 40 minutes of tension building up to this moment. And then right when it's starting, had to stop and just killed it all. So I can't mm-hmm. wait to watch it again. Um, but I loved this episode so much, especially um i loved uh ortegas <laughs> in their little swashbuckling uh at all was it you know who really loved that character was the so, actor yes uh she had so much fun she wrote on her instagram that she's like wait a minute i get to play dungeon dragons and star trek and i'm a <laughs> sir not a ma'am or a lady this is everything i've ever wanted in my entire life in one episode it was so cool. Uh, I love, um, I love them so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and the whole little fling with Una, um, our Huntress. Yes. Um, oh, what was the character's name? Um, I think it was just Huntress. Uh, nope. Ever, everyone on the Memory Alpha article has like Ortegas Adya, uh, Pike Routh, Uhura Nev, but mm. I, um, I don't see the one for Una. Because she was actually not in the episode much. Right. She only showed up at the end. Uh, like to save them and to um, have a little... Um, well, oh, Zamira. There we go. Okay. Zamira, the Huntress. Um, Huntress of the Force. Well, if you led the Force so much, why don't you marry it kind of thing <laughs> uh, from Ortega. So it was so good. Um, oh, we know each other very well. <laughs> oh, my heart was pattering. Aw. <laughs> um, I-, I blabbed on and on about it. Uh, about before the dramatic finale. What did you like about it? Did you like it? Too? Well, let me tell you one thing I really liked and one thing I really didn't. The thing I really liked was that these actors were having so much fun. Like uh-huh. seeing obvious. Yeah, like seeing Pike as a squirrely, cowardly little man. And also where the heck did all his hair go for this episode? <laughs> it's just very impressive. La'an was having a ton of fun in that her- goofy outfit. With her real dog. That is her. That is the actress's dog, Runa. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, that's one way to uh-huh. make your dog famous. Wow. There was a video of her twirling on Instagram in the dress. and <laughs> That's really cute. Uh, I wish Chapel had had more airtime, but that's true for every episode because I think yeah. she was having fun too. Uh, Hammer, Hammer was obviously having a lot of fun, even though he was in character mostly. Hell, he was hamming it up. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the power of the magic of science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing I didn't like, though, is Next Generation had Robin Hood. DS9 had James Bond. Voyager had Bride of Chaotica. We all have these Q slash holodeck episodes where the characters are acting out of character. And they have to take on roles that aren't their own. Part of the fun of seeing that is that we've had multiple seasons to get to know the characters so that there's a sharper contrast to when they are out of character. 
Here, we get to see that in the very first season of Strange New Worlds. And it's somewhat ameliorated by the fact that this show has done a really good job of introducing us to the characters. At the same time, though, I can't help but wonder how much more fun it would have been had it come a season or two later. Uh, further in, I see what you mean. Um, I, could see, I could see that. Uh, to me, like we, we have gotten to see these characters so much to me that it, to me, it kind of stood out right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can, see that, I can see that point of view, too. Um, you know, you made a remark earlier that I wholeheartedly agree with, which is I sometimes feel like the producers were making this season as if it was the only season of the show. Yeah, they were they were like, we need to do a Robin Hood episode and we may not get another chance. So let's do it now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I would put it that way. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, it's possible, too. Um, but then we do know that they actually I think they just finished season two yes. filming. Yep. So um and we were hoping for season three. Yep. But I think it's also that mindset that we may not get another chance to do this, which is why we had the dramatic ending that you were referring to. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, Rukia uh, and the Nebula man, Mabenga, having to let his daughter go. Yeah. So no way to fix help her. You know, I mentioned in our last podcast that I didn't expect that this aspect of that character would be brought up so soon. And now I feel like they did that because they also felt the need to resolve it in the same season. It's possible. I mean, in the past, we talked about, like, the last time we talked, we talked about, like, are they taking long too long to address this? And now in retrospect, I think, no, I think it was just right. It was eight, eight episodes. I mean, and they brought it in episode three. It was only five episodes later it was resolved. Yeah. Uh, I think they actually ended up doing just the right amount because they also brought it up two episodes ago in the one about the boy battery. Um, cause he was playing with her, beamed her out and right. played with her. Um, it's actually, it turned out it was just the right amount to, to me of her storyline. And are you, regardless of the timing from an audience perspective, are you satisfied with the resolution for that character? Oh, of course I want her to live her life with her dad, but you take what you can get, right? Like what life throws at you. And now he can visit her whenever he wants, as long as he has leave. But uh, um, she'll be there. I think it worked. I thought it was beautiful. I wondered why the you know the cloud said you can leave, but she will get sick again without me. Well, why doesn't the cloud go with you? Why is the cloud limited to that point in space? Oh, I mean, those are things that. Why is a nebula there? I mean, hmm. I don't yeah. think we we're meant to have and try to even try to answer that. No, no, no. And there probably is an answer, but these are the questions that the situation brought to mind. For example, we saw the child Rukia much older just a moment later. If the rate at which she is aging is linear, which we have no reason to believe that it is, then if her father, Dr. Mbenga, ever goes back to visit her, she'll be like a gajillion years old. <laughs> um there was something in the episode she said, like, she, I think she had chose that or something like that. I don't remember exactly. Hmm. Rikia named her friend after her mother, Deborah. That was the, no, the nebula is named Deborah. Uh, <laughs> the Deborah nebula. Um, the the Debrula. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, it tickles when she's taken away. Happy and safe now. Um, ah, it doesn't mention here, but I'm pretty sure she mentioned it. Um, right. In the episode. But also all the adventures she's having, are those adventures in the nebula? Yeah, yeah. Apparently there's some kind of extra uh, 
level or extra planer or demi plane or something like that where we can't know because it is very alien to us. Yeah, I'm just wondering if Deborah is the only consciousness with which Rukia can interact in the nebula, then she basically has to spend the rest of eternity with her best friend. And I, as much, you know, I have multiple best friends. And I think if I had to spend eternity with any one of them, there would be blood. Oh, <laughs> uh, when you live outside of time, you might not notice. Hmm. It's hard, you know, it's, it's so alien to us. It is. To me. Uh, we can't know. Uh, to yeah. me, it's just one of those unanswerable things. I, I, if it was a linear thing, like you mentioned, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, pandemic clearly showed, like, some of us, you know, can only handle so much time with other people. Exactly, yes. our own kids uh, by understanding other people's stories. Yep. Um, and so uh, this one to me is, like, the unknowable outside of time, like you. Yeah. These are questions that if I was Rukia, I would want answers to before saying yes. <laughs> uh, she was also like eight. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I also remember there was a time travel movie, which if, if you gave me a moment, I could probably look up the name of it. But like they had to go back in time and change something. But they went back in time to a point that they had already existed. And I said to my family, like, wait, that doesn't make sense. They should be bumping into themselves if they were to do that. And even though I was like eight years old, my family was like, just shut up and enjoy the movie. <laughs> I was like, wow, thanks for encouraging my interest in temporal mechanics. Oh, man. <laughs> well, and now all these years, decades later, you are the leading researcher on a time travel project. And you're like, wish you would have had someone to philosophize about this 30 years right? ago. I'm going to go back in time now that I've perfected time travel <laughs> to the person who's told me to shut up, punch him in the face. So and also you can answer your own question. That's right. You're in the same space. <laughs> you know, I remember somebody showing up and answering my question. I've always wondered who that was. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> wow. Uh, Mind blown. I love this episode. I love the costumes. I love the fun they had. I love the picture of the Enterprise as a fantasy kingdom. And I love that we had it was written by Benny Russell, which opens up so many more questions. Remind me who that is. Uh, oh, oh wait, wait, Benny Russell. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about somebody real. <laughs> no, it was written by, uh, yeah, um, the alter ego of Captain Cisco. Right, of course, in uh, Far Beyond the Stars, the DS, one of the best DS9 and best Star Trek episodes of all time. Yeah, and if you, if you don't know, dear listener, there was talk of making um, the finale of DS9 part of the story and basically the entire DS9 story one of Benny Russell's st stories kind of like the and, end of Newhart uh, or, or or General Hospital General Hospital in the Dome <laughs> um, or or, or uh, who shot JR I don't know it was all Dallas. a dream oh was that a dream too yeah um, okay um, there was talk but anyway Benny Russell so that opens up a bunch of questions but it's also, also a fun oh. little nod Wow, the book that he was reading, The Kingdom of Legion, was written by Benny Russell. How did I miss that? Yeah. That's amazing. After, in episode three, when we find out about his daughter, um, Abenga is reading a book, and it turned out it's this book. I didn't catch that until my rewatch of like a couple weeks ago. Hmm. Uh, after, this ep after Legion Kingdom, I went back and watched that episode, and like, yeah, he's reading this story to his daughter, Rukia. 
No, there was a TOS novel, uh, the episode, The City on the Edge of Forever. So McCoy went back in time, and as Spock and Kirk are still standing in front of the Guardian Forever, they're able to pull out historical records from the alternate timeline that McCoy accidentally created. Mm -hmm. And so they realized they had to go back and change that. Well, there's a TOS novel that is set in that alternate timeline of when McCoy went back in time, but before Spock and Kirk went back in time. And at one point, uh, McCoy is living in the South, which is where he's from. And he's driving home to his little house out in the country. And he sees some uh, guys beating up a traveler uh, because he has a different skin color and he pulls over and interrupts it and he shoes the white people off and he helps the traveler. He says, so, uh, you know, let me take you back to my place, get you all fixed up. What's your name? And the guy says, Benny Russell. So, you know, that, even though that timeline ultimately didn't persist, it was nonetheless real. It wasn't a fantasy. And Mm so at least in that memory beta novel, Benny Russell was a real person. Fascinating. Yeah. So between that and this book, I think we have sufficient evidence to suggest that the delusion, quote unquote, that Cisco was having was actually him projecting himself into the past or just remembering somebody else's life. Or it's all part of the Benny Russell extended universe. Ah, Ah, yes. The BRCU, the cinematic (laughs) universe. That's what I want. Uh, Any more you want to say on the Legion Kingdom? Probably, but we should keep moving. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, it's oh, really good. Oh, wait. Next, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. You know what? I just realized, oh gosh, the Serene Squall, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was 10 minutes ago. I forgot to, there's one more comment I forgot to make. Yeah, go for Maybe it. Maybe I'll copy and paste this. It, no, had one of my, it had one of my favorite lines from the entire season. And that line was when Pike tried to talk like a pirate. And oh, yes. One, and number one said, please stop. <laughs> just please stop. I mean, First of all, that was potentially a very serious situation they found themselves in with both ships being overtaken. And he jokes about it at the end. And that moment, I watched it with former guests of the show, Velda. I turned to her and I said, can you, I think I've even asked you, Sabriel, this last time. Can you imagine any other Star Trek captain behaving in that fashion? (laughs) Can you imagine Kirk or Picard or Cisco talking like a pirate to their number one, to their first mate? I could picture Tom Paris going, "Arr, Captain. Yes. And that's it. <laughs> yes. But not Janeway. Maybe Archer, but like not Lorca. Saru being like, uh, Captain, I believe the proper term is R. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that was so good. You could see the smirk on Ortega's and even Una's face a little bit before she goes, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like a dad joke. You love it. Was so good. You, you think it's funny, but you can't let them know that. Speaking of, you gave me a perfect segue. Speaking of dad jokes, all those who wonder, the Predator Aliens episode of Strange New Worlds opens with uh, the cooking scene briefing, and we get dad node Pike, um, even with his tongs, going snip, snip, snip. <laughs> snip, snip, snip? Uh, with the tongs. He goes, tick, 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 tick. That is a, such a dad joke on meme on the internet of dads. Uh, whenever you get the tongs, you have to go... Tick, with oh. these tongs you have I to i didn't know you had to do that you have to it's it's just ingrained in humanity when you take a pick up like grilling tongs or cooking tongs you go yeah you have to click them together yeah oh 
And huh. so he did it here. It was total dad mode uh, <laughs> as he's cooking in the kitchen here. So what did you in think our Predator of Predator Aliens episode? I loved this episode. I'm not I don't usually think they're a fan of horror. There was no Predator in this episode, was there? No, was uh, just aliens. They were totally Predator mode because of the um, Predator mode with the whole. Um, they had the oh, like infravision. Infravision, yeah. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, they had that. It was a combination of the two. Okay, it was like a Pralian. Yes, or an Alitor. <laughs> okay, I see where you're coming from. That makes sense. Uh, so you loved it. I got a kick out of this. Like, like I knew everything that was going to happen except for someone's death uh, at the end. Um, but uh, like, like the instance, like, oh, you're named. Goodbye. <laughs> he just got promoted too. Um, I had so I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, I was so I was scared, even though I was watching it at seven thirty in the morning. Uh, good stuff. Uh, Do you like it? We talked about how an experience of Star Trek can vary based on the quality of the audio. I think the quality of the video may have diminished my enjoyment of this episode because there were times when it was so dark, I had no idea what was going on. Oh, no. Like the scene where Spock unleashes his anger and then walks up to a Jeffrey's tube and then just starts firing into it. I'm like, what is happening here? I can't see anything. Oh, no. That's a bummer. Yeah. And also, I think there are some quick cuts that also uh, exemplified or not exemplified, exacerbated things. So uh-huh. I, I, I was underwhelmed by this episode. Yeah, that's a bummer. Maybe uh, maybe getting the right atmosphere of having the room dark with a good quality TV uh, could change things for you. Or now that you know what's going to happen, maybe it'll change things for you. Um, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I gotta kick it. I'm not usually the biggest on horror and scary things, but here I had a lot of fun with this. Um, mm. Gorn, we actually got to see them. Um, We'd seen them before, right? We haven't seen them in Strange New Worlds yet, though. Oh, true, but we saw them on TOS and Enterprise. Yeah, we saw the bad CGI, what was cool then, but now it's terrible. And we also saw a rubber souped guy, but now we get to see um, a good graphics version. Uh, we actually know they had they had some actual models that they were using too what do you model a gorn after i don't know but an actual physical model um to all record um and so that added to it all made it much more real um instead of guy in a rubber suit Hmm. um but we got to see like a crashed sombra class oh which is which i love mabinga's like yeah they use some extra parts from constellations um (laughs) to make that so they could just use the same set um, we get to see what Lan talk was Laan was talking about earlier in the season about having people as um exacts, um, just gross. Oh, kids just spurting out, attacking each other. Oh, oh, and the whole like, oh man, I almost lost an arm. <laughs> For me, I didn't think he was gonna die there. I thought he was gonna die a little bit later. Um, but because both tropes exist in scary movies. And so I guess the wrong one. So it surprised me when he died, when he died, uh, Lieutenant, whatever, uh, Lieutenant going to die. Um, uh, even though I knew he was going to die, it surprised me when he was going to die. Now for the mission briefing, we were, we already talked about how they were in the kitchen and they had two simultaneous priority one missions. So they split the party, which you should never do. The, mission that the Enterprise went on, wasn't that to the same space station as in the Trouble with Tribbles? Uh, K7, yep. 
okay, I thought I recognized that. That was yeah. cool. That was a nice reference for those of us who get in. For those who don't, it doesn't matter. Maybe they're checking into the quadra, quadra kita kali, quadra triticali. Sure, let's go with that. Uh, it's pretty close to that. I'm pretty close to that yeah. without looking it up. Uh- <laughs> and also, I mean, clearly, as you already said, this is a homage to Alien in many ways. In Alien, whatever species gets infected does impact the what comes out. Mm-hmm. And they basically said the same thing here, too. Depending on the alien species that gets infected, that'll determine the incubation period. Yeah, so slightly sim- very similar, but slightly different. Yeah, I thought it was too similar for my tastes. Yeah? But, you know, I'm also not a science fiction writer. I don't know what they could have done differently. And they clearly did something different with how people get infected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Yeah, I didn't expect just getting um, spit on. Uh, right? It would do it. And Lon didn't say nothing. Maybe she didn't know, or maybe she had blocked that memory. She might not have known how. She was also like 12, 13 when she was on, on the planet. So and she didn't yeah. necessarily maybe saw how it happened. Uh, we just don't know. But knew the result of. <laughs> yeah. So shall we talk about that surprise ending? I did not see. Well, uh, up until Laon said, we still have a problem. That's the instant I'm like, fudge. <laughs> uh, La- Laon said that? Yeah, because uh, everyone's like, yeah, we got them all. And Laon's like, we're not done yet. That's How did Laon knew. know? Because, so, exactly. Laon knew. Well, Laon was with Hammer. There's some wibbly wobbly here because we were just talking about how does she know? Why didn't she say anything? Oh, okay. Um, um, but maybe she noticed the reaction that Hammer was having, the itching and the un- discomfort. Um, maybe not the how. Um, oh. and that's how she knew that there was more coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oof. That that made me cry. I, again, feel like they were writing this as if this was the only season they had. They killed off a main character in the first season, which I can't remember the last time that happened since TNG killed off Tasha Yar. Uh-huh. And I, on one hand, I want to say Hemro is one of my favorite characters, but that's also true of almost everybody on this show. <laughs> right. But I feel like he was, he he brought a very different energy to the show than anybody else. Like everybody else on the show for the most part, is pretty young, idealistic, and enthusiastic. And he's none of those things. Mm-hmm. He's sort of the, uh, the, the, like the uncle or the grandparent, you know, somebody who had, this is not his first tour. He has seen some crap and he's here to advise the younger generation, both, you know, on how to be a good Starfleet officer, but also how to be a, a person, like his final words to Uhura. You know, I love their interactions from beginning to end in, in this season and especially in this episode. Having him tied to a yeah, having him tied to a character like Uhura from the start uh, helped cement him like as a really great character. Yeah, and I felt like he had a lot more to teach her and the rest of the crew. I don't know why they felt the need. Like when Kess left Voyager, what I read the reason was is because the writers didn't know what else to do with the character. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how, how could that be true for Hemmer in after just one season? It's like here, they must've had a plan the entire time. Uh, that's a bummer, but they, it's a, it's a bummer, but we got plenty of development out of him more than much of the discovery crew. 
because he was tied so closely to someone we know. Um, thankfully. It didn't feel like Arium in Discovery. Right. No, I agree with that. But it's also disappointing. Like I have told so many people how happy I was that a show that exemplifies infinite diversity in infinite combinations, Idic, would engage in authentic casting by having a blind character played by a blind actor. Uh-huh. You know, and I, I can still say that they did that, but I can no longer say, hey, check out this show. That character is actually blind. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was disappointing. Uh, not like Jordy blind. Right. However, this sort of calls into question for me, does Strange New Worlds need to go the same direction as Star Wars Rogue One? Like, none of these characters are going to be on the Enterprise in seven years, except for Spock. And Uhura. And Uhura, right. Of course, I'm sorry. So, do we need to make something happen to all the other actors? To, or to the characters, at least? I don't think so. I think that uh, I mean, there's so much, there's so many years there where they can go off into their own ships. Maybe the Farragut, for example. Or yep. <laughs> you saw that with La'an. So, like, I don't think they're writing themselves into any hole or skirting along the side of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because at the end of this episode, we also saw La'an leave the ship. She needs a temporary leave of absence for helping that kiddo find her home. Uh-huh. And then, not to get too far ahead of things, but we also saw, of course, uh, number one, get arrested at the end of the next episode. So that is like three senior bridge officers who are all now gone. And I, I keep thinking about at the end of Deep Space Nine, like we lost Cisco, we lost Odo, we lost O'Brien, we lost Worf. And so even if the show had been picked up for another season, that would be really hard to bring everybody back together. It's not like in the TNG movies where only Worf is gone and we need to come up with an excuse to get him back. Uh-huh. And uh, so with, with Strange New Worlds, they're again, they're just casting the cast, no pun intended, to the winds. And how are they going to get them all back together for the next season? Well, with Hemmer, they don't, but it just gets harder and harder with every episode. For me, to me, the interesting part is I don't see that as a downside. I'm excited to see how they're going to get everyone back together. Because Lana was a temporary thing. She's insane. She's not resigning. Uh, Cadet Uhura, uh, she's going to go back there. We don't know how long season two is going to be after season one. Uh, there's a lot of time where we can play around. Um, so for me, the excitement is like, all oh, right, man, everyone's scattered to the wind. I can't wait to see how they get back together. Similar to Lord of the Rings at the end of Fellowship. Uh, everyone is going their own separate ways. How are we going to get the crews back together? And they might just go, you know, first episode season two, like, wow, that sure was an interesting two years. Now let's go find some more strange new worlds. Um, I don't think they're going to do that. But uh, see, to me, the only bummer is that we lose Hemmer. And I wish we could get more of him. But also that he impacted us so much in his like five or six episodes he was in out of eight. Um, uh, It really is a testament to the actor and the writers for making us feel so much for him. You know, you bring up a good point. Discovery and, well, no, really just Discovery always picks up right where the last season left off, at least for the first three seasons. Uh-huh. Strange New Worlds doesn't have to do that. They have seven years until the accident. For some reason, I thought it was 10, but it's only seven. And the opening s- sequence says this it's a five-year mission. 
So there's time to play with. They are like, I think maybe the reason they chose seven years is because no Star Trek show has ever run longer than that. <laughs> That's a good thought. I, I haven't put any thought to it. I like that. But it also means that they can't skip time. If they want to use all seven years, then mm-hmm. they have to use all seven uh-huh. years. I mean, and they can also just stay in this one year. Um, years are pretty long. Um, you know, they could have a, two seasons take one year. That's true. So yeah, they're not going to get that old that quickly. Especially with just 10 episodes instead of the usual 22 that we used to get. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of terror and horror. Yeah. Should we uh, jump ahead to Equality of Mercy? Yeah, the final episode. The one about the Romulans. Wow. Like, Ken was here in North Dakota. I mean, uh, in the shuttle bay um, months ago. And I can't remember the impetus, but we just watched Balance of Terror on a whim. TOS is the only Star Trek show I have not seen every episode of. And I think I had mentioned to you when I was visiting you that, you know, I've never seen the episode that introduced us to the Romulans. I've heard Mm -hmm. of it, but I've never seen it. And after we finished watching, I was like, oh, for some reason, I thought this was the same episode where Kirk dresses up as a Romulan. That's the Enterprise Mm, incident. The Enterprise incident. I still haven't seen that either. Oh, I gotta go steal that cloaking device. But that means that of all the episodes in Star Trek, of which there are 800 plus, of all the episodes of TOS I haven't seen, which is probably half, like we chose to watch two. I forget what the other one was, but we watched Balance of Terror and six months later, they retell that exact <laughs> story. And I, I could not have been better prepared. It was perfect. And one of my partners is going through Strange New Worlds with me and they have not seen Balance of Terror. So I'm going to introduce it soon, but not immediately before because we're only on three episodes in four episodes in so like, mm, i gotta squeeze in balance of terror now <laughs> i saw somebody say on twitter that th- they had seen balance of terror before after watching strange new worlds they went and rewatched it but they wish they had watched it again before watching uh-huh. equality of mercy so i think uh-huh. you have the right plan there cool um yeah because we got pike one burgundy movie era uniform pike comes to visit him that was just whoa <laughs> When I saw that uniform, I was like, is this Kirk? Is this an old Kirk? And it, it wasn't. It was old Pike. No. Oh, they did so well with... I thought they did so well with making Pike, like, 20 years older. He even had slower movements, but not quite. Oh, it was so well done, just mm-hmm. the visually, um, beyond the whole episode. Um, I did not see this coming. I avoided... The only thing I knew about this episode going in was that Pike met uh, Mahi, no, uh, Matt. Um, and that's the only thing I preview of this episode I had seen. And then afterwards, everyone is like, uh, don't watch anymore if you can help it. Uh, go into this episode without knowing a thing. And then I'm so glad I did. Because, wow. At what point did you figure out this was Balance of Terror? The wedding, right away. The wedding was my first clue. I was like, wait a minute, haven't we seen this before? And especially like a young man and a young woman, it was when the siren went off and the wedding got interrupted. I was like, we Uh definitely have seen this. (laughs) And at the end they reversed who died. Yes. She died instead of him. Um, but man, the whole playing with lighting to do it just like you did in the original series, the whole, when they find out, um, the Romulan looks like a Vulcan. They zoom in the original series. They zoomed in on, Spock and he raises his eyebrow. They did it again here. 
Um, we get to see Kirk have his same kind of discussions with Spock, but over the V screen instead. Um, oh, it was so well done, and I loved it so much. Speaking of lighting, our former guest of the show, Kay, said that when they were flying through the comet, you could see the light from the comet reflecting off their eyes through uh-huh. the view screen. That was an awesome moment of lighting as well. Yes. Uh, like they use, oh my God, just like using everything the same. Like we're recording this the day after this thing aired. So this is much more, fr- much, much fresher in our mind here. Yes. Um, using the comet thing again, we get to see the Farragut, which we knew Kirk was a captain of before the enterprise or served on. I forgot about that. Um, we saw on what's over there. Um, it's like Kirk got to still be here, but Pike was the reason why there's a Romulan war, a new one. Wow. It didn't feel like it was solely Pike. So even though we just saw Balance of Terror six months ago, I had to go back to Memory Alpha and reread some of it. And what it, it seems like the difference is was when there was just one ship chasing it through the comet and the Romulans pulled that same stunt of coming up behind them, the Enterprise was able to avoid getting hit. So mm-hmm. sort of a stalemate. But now with two ships, the Enterprise again avoided getting hit, but now there was a secondary target and they were able to hit the Farragut. And I feel like that escalated things because yeah, now true. because now the subcommander was like, well, now we have to finish what we started. Yeah, all these little things that changed. And Kirk wasn't quite the same... He was similar, but he wasn't quite the same as he was in the original series because he didn't have the experience in the Enterprise, uh, and so or that relationship with Spock, and um, so he wasn't the same. Uh, I don't want to say mature or experienced as he was as Captain. So he had, I think, he was slightly a little different. I can't really put to words what was off, not off, but like he wasn't the same Kirk from the Enterprise. Well, different actor. Uh, yes, he wasn't the same Kirk, um, and so he didn't have that. So he didn't. He approached the problems slightly differently than a. You know, yeah, he just approached things slightly differently, even if it was similar. Um, yeah, he he seemed very quick to seek a non diplomatic resolution, which disappointed me. Uh, it was very Captain Kirk, though. I suppose, but I mean, granted. In the Balance of Terror, there was none of this two-hour ceasefire. But I don't feel like he was quick to attack either, like Ortega's wanted to be in this episode. Even Kirk was like, let's follow a parallel course and see what happens. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, he offered at the end of Balance of Terror to beam the Romulan's crew over, if I recall. And the Romulan said, no, we have honor. This is how we die. Uh, so, in another world, in another universe, could have been a could friend. Be friends, yeah. Um, man, and the only missed opportunity for this episode. Apparently, everyone else in the world thought it too. They could have had the same actor who played Sarek play the Romulan commander, because that's who it was in the original series. Oh, Mark Leonard. Yeah, so Mark Leonard, of course, is dead. But they could have had the Sarek actor from oh, Discovery. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I thought I thought I was like being so clever when I thought this, and then, and then look online, everyone else is thinking the same thing. This uh, is the first <laughs> I've heard of it. I I feel not clever for not having thought of it. <laughs> I was waiting for it to be him, and then it wasn't. It's like, oh wait, I get it. Okay, but <laughs> wow, huh? Um, but man, that he still had the same reactions. Like you know, like the commander was the same in both versions. Uh, um, even if his sub commander was a jerk, 
He was in both versions too. Um, uh, man. And it's like, I, I think both our new Kirk and our subcommander, our, our commander, uh, who didn't, who was unnamed in the original series, um, card game, the Star Trek card game, called him Kyrus, Sarek backwards. Um, ah. <laughs> um, that was not official or anything like that. But um, he played that commander very well, I think, and had very similar attitude and so well done. And um, But this is a Pike episode still. And we really haven't really talked about his role in this, um, having to make these decisions. And his trying to talk it out ended up being a terrible problem for the Federation, just like... Um, uh, Discovery Captain Michelle Yeoh George Yeoh George Yeoh uh, she wanted to talk it out instead of the Vulcan hello and they got into a Klingon war here Pike wanted to talk it out and got into a war with Romulans yep you know if an alien species wants to go to war they'll find a way but uh, I thought it was interesting when the Farragut got attacked, I expected Kirk to die because that would have everlasting impact on the timeline. All the times Kirk has saved Earth. And so I thought that's why Pike had to have the accident. And in the end, what they implied was it was not only to avoid the Romulan War, it was to save Spock. It was all Yeah. Old Pike even said, the only chance we have of lasting peace with the Romulans is with Spock. And there, he's referring to what we just saw in Discovery Season 3, Reunification Part 3. Yeah. I, I wrote down, I was talking to Charlene Shar. Um, without Spock, we had, um, we have V'ger. We have the Whale Probe. No Unification. No Navarre. A Decimated Star Empire. Romulan Star Empire. And so much more. Uh, how pivotal Spock is a main character to the universe. We also don't get the Kelvin universe. Yes, which we even got to hear them uh, hint at. Um, Pike is asking Sam Kirk about his brother, and the slight mention it was they made they made the J.J. Abrams universe, uh, the Kelvin universe, real because Sam Kirk is like, yeah, my dad served on the Kelvin. Kelvin, yes, uh-huh. I did hear that, and that was the connection there. So Romulan mining ship with Borg tech never came back in time to make an alternate universe. Uh, Spock was important over there too. Uh, he helped bring Spock and Kirk over there. Yep. Uh, and so Spock is the main character of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Spock Trek. <laughs> yeah. One thing, though, is second season of the Orville. Are you an Orville fan? Yeah, I'm watching season three and loving it. Haven't seen it myself yet, but second season, as you'll recall, had a time travel episode where uh-huh. somebody goes back in time, changes one decision, and like all of the Federation collapses as a result. I felt like this was a little bit similar. The stakes were a little bit less high because I think Pike had, he, I think he knew that this wasn't like a permanent time shift. It was just a glimpse mm-hmm. into a possible future, yeah. which nonetheless made it interesting to me that Spock was able to mind meld with him. And we saw briefly Spock's point of view, which implied to me that even though this was just sort of a time crystal vision, everything in it was somehow nonetheless real. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Ethan Peck played Leonard Nimoy Spock so well. Just that emotionless version of him. That was It was a hard switch you could tell between the Spock we know from Ethan Peck 
and Spock from Leonard Nimoy in those seven years. Mm. Um, Although, despite being more Vulcan, and that's something else that you and I talked about last episode, he was more Vulcan in this episode, that's true. Mm -hmm. But I have before on this podcast celebrated male affection and lamented its absence. And in the scene where Pike and Spock were in the ready room, and Spock was like, I feel like I owe you a debt of gratitude, though I don't know for what. Well, at the ending here. Yeah. And Pike said, oh, oh, you're right. They were back in the present at that point. I forgot. You're right. So nonetheless, uh, Spock said that, and Pike said, you're very important to me. I wish Pike had hugged him, because <laughs> that's how I was feeling in that moment. I was uh-huh. like, oh, my God, I just want you two to hug. Mm-hmm. I started crying. I was nearly there. Uh, that was, oof, that was a oof if they had if they had hugged that would have pushed me over the edge yeah it was still uh very powerful yeah. uh i loved it and we even talked about spock's emotional outburst that nurse chapel helped him reach in the last episode uh in the alien episode oh yeah um, with his his rage but, and how it's making him weak yeah or more but, uh, here um yeah or ortega spilling in the role of styles being uh hating romulans I noticed that. Stand down, Erica. She was very prejudiced in this episode. Yeah, we don't know if something happened in those seven years or somehow before. Uh, we don't know. We're intentionally not supposed to know. But she just played the role of Styles because they didn't want to recast Styles. Did um, you notice when Pike first went to the bridge in the Time Crystal Future and he's walking around the bridge, uh, the two characters at the helm... Vice versa. Are, not only are they vice versa, but they're completely frozen. They're not moving. They're not blinking. They're not acknowledging him. Oh, yeah. They were so... It was very robotic. Well, I think that, like, I think Pike was still settling into this time crystal vision. Like, things were not fully activated yet. I forgot about that. I did notice that, and I forgot entirely. Like, something was off. Uh, and maybe I was to help us viewers. But, yeah, everyone was just standing straight ahead, not looking. And I kind of want to go back to see uh, Balance of Terror. Is that how... Like Styles and uh, Sulu sat too, uh, or was it the simulation, quote unquote, you know, warming up, or was this them portraying those two characters in the original? I think know, it's how the they second. Acted? I uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. I, I'm good. I look forward to trying to find that out. Hmm. Oh, uh, speaking of comparisons with TOS, we heard Scotty's voice. Yeah, I was just going to talk about that too. We got to hear Scotty. Well. This is something that had not occurred to me, but again, former friend of the show, Kay, well, no, still friend of the show, former guest of the show, <laughs> uh, said, did they take audio from TOS for this episode? And I looked in the credits because that's how they acknowledged it when they did it, the same thing on Prodigy. And it doesn't say anything in the credits. They had, no, they had an actor for the arm. I think it was like, said like engineer or something like that. I can't remember exactly 100% how they worded it. They oh. didn't say Scotty. But it wasn't the original actor's voice. Uh, it was James Doohan, to my understanding. I could be wrong. But he wasn't credited. Um, but it was uncredited. Because um, I was reading an interview. They said something like they weren't prepared to cast Scotty yet. So they didn't. So they just used audio from the original series. Okay. Um, I don't remember the source for that. Um, but uh, that's what I read last night or this morning. Okay. So the credit in the credits was for the person whose arm we saw that's but what I'm the guessing. voice was somebody else <laughs> was who was Duan. not credited which was james doing yeah okay interesting uh a future will show if that's how it was but i just remember that's what i read so hmm. 
anything else about the balance of terror aspect of this episode before we get to the cliffhanger finale? Uh, actually, I think they brought that up in Ready Room. I haven't watched it yet. I think someone said they said it in Ready Room. There we go. Okay. But I'll find out later. Uh, yeah, that uh, that's all I got. I love this episode. I love the comparisons. Uh, definitely go back to the watch Balance of Terror if you have not seen it in a while. And um, after you've seen this one. I can't um, imagine watching A Quality of Mercy without having seen Balance of Terror, which is probably how most people saw it. Uh-huh. But I just feel like so much would be lost. It's made for the super nerds, but... Or it's it's built for the super nerds, but made for everyone. Yeah. Um, and then number one. Number one, Una gets arrested just like at the end of Lower Deck season two, <laughs> with the uh-huh. captain getting arrested. Yeah. Um. Wow. Uh, I wasn't sure they were going to go for that cliffhanger. And like, we don't know where number one is. In we didn't know. Oh, she was only in the pilot episode Menagerie. Uh, and was gone. And so now we have, uh, we maybe get an explanation. How is Pike going to get her out of this if she, uh, if he does? Well, in the time crystal future, he did not. Uh-huh. And so, and he's been encouraged to not change the timeline. I mean, old Pike basically said, every time you change the timeline, Spock dies. So does that include freeing Una? We don't know that. I, my hypothesis is that because of the war, he didn't have time to help save Una. Um, but the war was seven years later. Um, oh, that's right. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, we don't know if maybe uh, something happened where he couldn't. Um, something about him. We don't know. We don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah. We don't know if, if he's changing time or if this is always how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. But like, are they going to cast a new engineer to replace Hammer? Are we going to have a new cast person on the show next season? Are we going to have... A new number one, a new tactical officer. There's just so uh, much. I can answer some of that, but I'm not going to. Um, but I think that will this will be technically an answer. Uh, we're going to see a trial, and okay. I think all these actors are coming back except for Hammer. I don't know that for sure. Um, well, I know Ortega is there because <laughs> uh, Michelle has been talking about it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I know I know some of the answers to what you asked, but um. No spoilers. When it comes to number one, I mean, she's going to be there because we got to see the resolution. And I think it's going to be a trial like measure of a man kind of thing. I mentioned earlier in this podcast how anthrocentric the Federation is. This is what I was referring to because humanity had a really bad experience with genetic engineering. And now it's banned for all alien species in the Federation. That seems excessive. Uh, we don't know that others didn't have the same problem. We see, we've seen the Suliban Sulab- uh, cause issues. Um, we've seen, um, mostly towards the Federation or Earth Starfleet, but to others as well. Uh, we don't know the, the genetic history of all a couple hundred members. Genetics mystery. But we do know that it's banned in the Federation for all alien species. Uh-huh. But we don't know if it's all... We know that Starfleet has a history with it, but we don't know the history with it for others. Like the Klingons, they had a serious issue with genetics because of the augments. Yep. Um, and so... Uh, I would say we can't answer that because I get the idea, but we just don't know enough about the 800, 700, 100, whatever they are, members. Yeah. It's always going to be nebulous intentionally because they'll just pull them out when we need them. Yeah, I just, I hope that she gets treated fairly because no negative repercussions came down on Bashir because he was augmented as a kid and had no say in the matter. You know, I, I don't know how much 
Una's augmentation was willful or just something her society did to her. Uh-huh. I can't wait to find out. I'm excited yeah. to find out. I'm looking forward to season two as well. We don't know what the next Star Trek show to air will be. It usually uh, Lower Decks starts Orville. in August. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Lower Decks usually starts in August. Uh, I think that's the idea. Everyone's kind of speculating that Lower Decks will be quote unquote soon, but we don't know yeah. when. But we also have the second half of the first season of Prodigy. I don't know why it's just not the second season. And they finished filming season five of Discovery, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Picard season three is done filming. Oh, that's right. Oh, uh, speaking of Discovery. So I, I've told you before about some of the fun quirks of my Paramount Plus subscription. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there was one point where every time I went to play an episode, it would show a single frame from the Strange New Worlds trailer where Pike is on a horse in Montana, uh-huh. and then it would play the episode. I got that multiple times. Well, now I'm experiencing something different. And this has happened after every single episode in the first season of Strange New Worlds. I watched the entire episode all the way through to the end of the credits. And when it gets to the end, it then skips to discovery season four, the final episode where Admiral Vance and Tilly are in Federation headquarters. And Admiral Vance is saying they sure did. They sure did. And he clinks (laughs) his glass with Tilly's. It's so weird. Every single time, 10 episodes in a row, strange new worlds ends. And I get Vance saying they sure did. (laughs) That is amazing end cap to every episode. And yeah. that's, it's like him telling Tilly, oh man, I was looking through the old databases and guess what happened? And then when he tells, she's like, no way. And he's like, they sure did. Right. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, other things are going very long, but you wanted to bring up a little thing with Captain Kirk. Yes. So the real one, not the one who I thought portrayed Captain Kirk very well. In this By episode. the way, I thought the actor that played Kirk, although he did a fine job, I thought he was a little scrawny. Yeah, he reminded me a lot of, as Shar said, reminded me a lot of um, younger uh, Ace Ventura guy. Uh, Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey. I can see I thought of um, I thought of a guy from SNL. But anyway, I thought he was fine. But yeah, a little sc- it's a different actor. I knew that they had cast a new Kirk for season two of Strange New Worlds. I didn't huh? expect to see him in season one. It was a surprise. <laughs> but it does mean that we'll probably see him again. Yeah, I think so. Uh, although, you know what? The f- previous episode, All Those Who Wander, like I had friends who thought that was the finale because it seemed oh, really? so final. I know. Like oh, Hammer died and everything. And then yeah. Lon went away and all this. It did have a finality about it. So maybe A Quality of Mercy was meant to be the season two season premiere. I don't think so. I think it was as always planned. Okay. So what I want to say was I am a nomad. I move around a lot. And right now I'm in uh, southwestern Vermont. And I am not too far from Ticonderoga, New York. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know what's in Ticonderoga? Besides the pencil makers? <laughs> Correct. Um, well, I'm, Hold on. Hold on. Once I, once I say it, you'll be like, oh, how did I not remember? Say a hint. Say a hint. That's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, gosh, I don't have any hints. I just have spoilers. God, you can't get spoilers. You can't. <laughs> no, fan, okay. fan films? Uh, is that where the bridge is? Uh, the Enterprise bridge thing is at? You're close. It is Set. where Star Trek's New Voyages, a.k.a. Phase 2, was filmed. Yeah, that's where they filmed. Uh, that's where the, you can take set, set tours. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry. Yeah, so uh, there got, was a there yeah. was a fan series. They shot a whole bunch of episodes based on TOS. They recreated the original series set. 
down to the millimeter. And now that set is available for tours. Yes. Uh, wanted to see this. Uh, you going to do it? I did do it. Uh, Velda, oh. who's been on the show, she and I went a couple of weeks ago. And we got to see the transporter room, uh, sick bay, Dr. McCoy's office, captain's quarters, the bridge, and uh, engineering, uh, the, 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 like the rec room where, mm-hmm. you know, where Spock would play his weird instrument and where they had the trial for him in the cage. Uh-huh. So we got to see all those things. We paid like only an extra like 20 bucks maybe to have a photographer with a really nice DSLR follow us around. He took 150 photos. Wow. Some of them were very staged and it was awesome because he knew just the right angles. He had all these stories of how they got the set pieces. And some of them, there was like one thing that had actually been on TOS, another thing that had actually been on Enterprise, which mm-hmm. is set before TOS. So it yeah, was not an the... anachronism. Uh-huh. And yeah, it was awesome. I haven't posted those photos yet online, but I will be. Awesome. And I'm going back there next week because twice a year, William Shatner comes to visit. And so I have paid more than I should to get (laughs) a photo with him and an autograph. I have autographs of every single cast member of TNG and some cast members of DS9, Enterprise, and Voyager. I have nobody. So yes, you have at my house back when I had a house. Uh, however, I have nobody from TOS and those opportunities are becoming much fewer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I figured I should get Kirk's or Shatner's autograph while I can. And so I'm going back to Ticonderoga an hour away next Saturday. And I like, it's weird. The photograph is at 11 a.m., but the autograph is at 4 p.m. <laughs> so I guess when you get to be that age, you need your naps. Interesting. But, uh, you get to yeah. be hanging out with the only captain who's uh bed in space or near space depending on your definition that's true he went up in uh not elon musk but jeff bezos's thing right yes it is very phallic shaped rocket most rockets are i'm sure he loved it <laughs> he did wow 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 it's like death. oh wow it's like, it's like looking into death he said <laughs> you can he's you get his reactions afterwards i watched that interview it's just like wow 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 yep. wow wow <laughs> <laughs> it's really good that's really awesome for you um I think we're okay going a few minutes longer than normal because we're going to be uh, a long break between episodes. But um, I had an opportunity to see Patrick Stewart years ago at Dragon Con. For me, I don't have the excitement of seeing these actors. And so like, I was like, I didn't want to go, plus all the people. Uh, For me, I don't know. That excitement isn't as, that drive to see the actors uh, isn't as strong. So I'm glad this opportunity has come up for you to you get this moment. Yeah, it's not that I like hero worship or idol worship William Shatner. It's, right. it's not that. That's a very risky one to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. It's kind of just sort of a, to check it off my list. Uh-huh. Like they sell at this Star Trek tour pl- in the gift shop, eight by 10 glossies of William Shatner. So I'll just pick one. I'll pay five bucks. I already went to the dollar store and I bought a frame <laughs> and I am technically homeless. So I have nowhere to hang it up. I'll uh-huh. just put it in my storage unit with my other celebrity autographs that include people like Larry Storch and Robin Shue. And I'll have it. And awesome. Because, you know, there will come a point where they're not going to be making any more of these. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's awesome. Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I I agree with you. Like, I'm not always necessarily excited to meet actors. There was only one. Like, I had a really great time meeting Jonathan Frakes and Brent Spiner. Mm-hmm. They were fantastic. I loved meeting them. 
there was only one Star Trek actor I was actually nervous to meet, and I was surprised by that. And it was Connor Trenier, who played Trip on Enterprise. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think the reason I was a little nervous is because he is so damn handsome, in my opinion. <laughs> so, but that's it. Keep your shirt on, Lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> Chief Engineer. So. Well, that's it for me. All right, that's it for me. Thank you for joining us on this recap of Strange New Worlds, a show that we both loved and adored. I can't wait. wait for season two. One thing I really enjoyed about Strange New Worlds is how many people got into it. Like I saw people yeah. on Twitter, in Slack, on Facebook who hadn't watched Discovery, Picard, Prodigy, or Lower Decks all saying they were watching Strange New Worlds. They signed up for Paramount Plus just to watch Strange New Worlds and they loved it. Sometimes they were introducing their partners for the first time ever. And sometimes they were like, my partner is not into Star Trek and I don't care. I'm going to watch the show on my own. <laughs> I'll let my partner stop me from watching Discovery. I won't let them stop me from watching Strange New Worlds. <laughs> uh i'm glad i'm glad this is and this is a great introduction to star trek yes anything else from you captain uh that is all so uh captain sabriel to the bridge hit it if you've enjoyed this episode please leave a review on itunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on twitter at transporter lock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at transporterlock.com 